0: Good morning. You guys doing well? Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. Uh, Darren and I said that we would shave our heads for... Uh... We've got hair to shave. My, my son said that he would give if I shaved my eyebrows. That's messed up. Which one? Okay, that's enough. How much for the goatee? Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of dollars? <laughs> to me. <laughs> hey, let me start off by uh, sharing with you some thoughts. See if you can identify what I'm talking about here. It's what you were created for, it's what man lost, but Christ restored. More than anything else, God uses it to heal people many think they have it but don't nothing will give you greater joy and spiritual vitality like it riches are best measured by it our need for it with people and the god who made us is to the human spirit what food air water is to the human body what am i talking about you can yell it out to me if you think you know Relationships, Community, in fact, that's the title of this weekend's message. All you, need, all you need to do is look down and look at the title. There you have it. We're talking about community. The answer to all of those is community. This is our life. There's an app for that. Teaching series, working our way through the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 19 through 22. Now, as I was sharing that with you, obviously, there's, there's tons of... Uh, Benefits to relationships, to community, to fellowship. The Bible uses that term. Uh, there, are, uh, there are spiritual benefits, psychological, emotional, relational to community. But uh, there's a couple that are often overlooked, and it's a couple of my favorite quotes as it relates to relationships and community, and that there are phenomenal benefits that come to us physically as a result of connecting and through community. This is from a book by the title, it's by John Ortberg, and it's titled Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And uh, he says here, he says, one of the most thorough research projects on relationships is called the Almeida Almeda County Study, headed by a Harvard social scientist. It tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties, lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. So in other words, it is better to eat Krispy Kremes with friends than to eat broccoli alone. So there you go. He goes on in this, he says, For another study, as reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association, 276 volunteers were infected with a virus that produces the common cold. Any volunteers? I don't think so. 276 volunteers infected with the virus that produces a common cold. The study found that people with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. These people were less susceptible to colds, had less virus, and produced significantly less mucus than relationally isolated subjects. I'm not making this up. It's right here. They produced less mucus. This means, it is literally true, unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. So that's all you need right there. Let's stand for closing prayer, huh? Now actually we've got a great study. So that's... Uh, so there are phenomenal benefits... Body, soul, spirit, as it relates to community. That's where we're headed with our study. We're going to look at the importance of community, the intensity of community, and then the inspiration for community. Why? What should drive us to want to connect? And so, would you bow your heads with me? Let's take a moment. Let's pray. And then we will dive into our text. I want to pray a little bit of what I just mentioned here as it relates to... uh, our introduction, God, we are delighted to be here today. We love you. We are amazed at your love for us it 's what it 's what we were created for is to know you, to connect with you, to have community with you and, and with one another it 's what man lost, but your Son, our Savior Jesus, restored more than anything else. God, we know that you use uh, you use it, you use community to heal us, to heal people. And I know that there are those that are here today that think that they have it, which in reality, uh, we, we're not as connected as we really should be, could be, God. And we also know that nothing will give us greater joy and spiritual vitality like connecting with you and one another. In fact, riches are best measured by it. God, help us to see more clearly that our need for it with, with people and you who made us, God, Is to the human spirit what food, air, water is to the human body? God, teach us the importance of community, the intensity of community, at what level we need to connect with one another and then inspire us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's take a look at this text, very short text, but there's a lot here. That's why I wanted to just kind of focus in on this topic here this morning, important topic We studied last week about harmony, how to have harmony in our relationships. You remember we have the hostility because of pride, and the pride comes from misplaced identity. Um, Talked about that, that that both Gentiles and Jews both had this misplaced identity. uh, The Jews had their misplaced identity in the law, thinking somehow they were better than everybody else. And, uh, but God had blessed them to be a blessing to the world, and so the text that we looked at was really how God got rid of that hostil- hostility through the cross. In fact, if you have your Bibles open, this won't be up on the big screen, but, uh, but now in Christ Jesus, verse 13 of chapter 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were disconnected from God, which creates a disconnection with one another, but God brought us close to Him, and then therefore, out of that relational reconciliation, it brings a sense of wholeness, and then we're better suited for connecting with one another. Another verse from last week, verse 16, and... That he, Jesus, might reconcile us both, that is, both Jew and Gentile, everyone fits in one of those two categories, to God, in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now, he goes on from there, and this is where we pick up our study today, is that because we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says this in verse 19, I begin reading our text, so then you are no longer strangers in aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household or the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Cornerstone is the most important stone in the building in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. First point that we're looking at, the importance of community. Here's your first fill in the blank. The importance of community is this. Without it, you are spiritually homeless and lonely. Whether you realize it or not, most of us are so overly medicated on the things of this world that we're not in touch with this sense of homelessness and loneliness that is within everyone that is disconnected from God and his family. And so the importance of community is without it we are spiritually homeless and lonely. Verse 19, keep your Bibles open there. She says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. The word stranger there is the the Greek word is xeno. Are you familiar with the word uh, xenophobia? How many are familiar with the word xenophobia? Have you heard the term before? It's uh, it's actually hatred for uh, foreigners or outsiders or strange people. There's a hatred. And so that's what he's... He's talking about strangers, xeno. These are foreigners or weird people. You could actually say, these are weird people. Uh, And that's what he's talking about. You're no longer weird... And then aliens is uh, para-oikos. Uh, you've heard Darren talk about oikos. What is oikos? Anybody know? It's kind of this uh, household of faith, but it's, it's actually your circle of community. And this this word here, aliens, is para, so it's outside of oikos, outside of this circle of community. So he's saying, at one time, you were weird and you were outside... The community of faith, of really belonging, is really the idea that he's getting. In other words, he's talking about that we were strangers and aliens, meaning cultural and linguistic outsiders. This is an experience of profound loneliness. It's striking that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, uh, God has created the heavens and the earth, and he's going through this and says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And this is before the fall and man is in a perfect relationship with God and yet God says it is not good that the what? that the man is, would be alone that man would be alone isn't that interesting? have you ever found that interesting? before the fall so there is no sin to complicate it plus he's got this perfect relationship with God and yet he says it is not good for the man to be alone what does that mean? that means that you need more than just a connection with God that God has created you in such a way that you not only need a connection with God, but you are desperate to connect with others. And if you, if you uh, don't uh, live according to that, then you're not living according to how God has wired you up and how he's made you. Short of torture, society's worst punishment is what? It's solitary confinement. Why is that? Because you and I were created... Uh, for community with God and for one another. It's just, it's it's wired into us. It's how God has made us. Mother Teresa, she said, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern society and no one wants anybody to know they're a leper. C.S. Lewis put it this way, if I have a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the explanation is I was made for another world. Now some of you that are here are disconnected with God and really disconnected with God's family and yet you don't sense that loneliness inside and it's because you have overly medicated yourself on the things of this world. But if you were to pause long enough between your happiness highs and the pursuit of whatever it is that you think that will make you happy, you would have a deep-seated loneliness that ultimately nothing in this world will satisfy that's what he's saying. He's saying that's, that was our spiritual condition. But now you have been brought into the family of God. There's this, this connection that we have. St. Augustine put it this way, our hearts are forever restless until we find our rest in God and in God's family. So we are... Without it, we are spiritually homeless and lonely. That's the importance of it. That's the first. Here's the next one. Without it, you are missing the very essence of reality. So what's, what's the essence of reality? What are we here for? What is, what's important for us? Uh, what should we live our lives for? What should we focus our lives upon? It's relationships. It's about community. Achievements are important. We tend to make achievements as more important than relationships. Sometimes we pursue achievements at the expense of our relationships... And there's a lot of people that would regret that later when they see that their family has fallen apart or their marriage has fallen apart or any number of things because, because they realize, hey, wait, the most important thing in my life was not that I achieved all these great things, I have all these accomplishments, but that I have good, solid relationships. And you've heard me say this many times before. It's kind of a broken record, but I'm going to share it again. It's that many times I have been next to people on their deathbed, both as a medic, but also as a pastor. Well, there's a paramedic, as a pastor, and what's interesting is that nobody ever says, I wish I would have accomplished more. I wish I would have had more. Uh, nobody ever says that. They, typically, it's always focused on uh, family, faith, friends. Why is that? Because that's how God created us, which kind of shows us a little bit about uh, we're creating the image of God. Uh, relational, God is about relationship. In fact, look at verse twenty. 22 without it, it is the, we are missing the very essence of reality verse 22 it says in him speaking of jesus second person of the triune god you also are being built together into a dwelling place for god god the father first person of the triune god trinity by the spirit holy spirit third person of the trinity so we got the triune god in that verse matthew 28:19 it says that we are to be a church that goes into all the world and preaches the gospel, baptizing in the name of what? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God. What does the triune God represent? The doctrine of the Trinity. God is one in essence, three in person, though difficult to understand, is vitally important because it tells us that God himself has been experiencing community throughout eternity. That's the essence of God. Had someone in the first service come up to me at the end and said, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. When he says, let us make man in our image. Yeah, plural. He's talking Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see that all in creation in Genesis 1. God created us because he was so in love with community that he wanted a world full of people to share it with. As one the theologian put it, I agree with him. And so the importance of community, without it, you are spiritually homeless and lonely. Without it, you are missing the very essence of reality. Here's the third one. Without it, you'll never have a deep experience of God's presence. I've got a bunch of friends, and maybe you do too, that they believe. In fact, the statistics tell us 81% of all Americans believe that you can be a really strong Christian and not go to church. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true? I mean, you're here, so probably you don't think that's probably true. But the ones that think that's true aren't here this morning. So I'm probably preaching to the choir on this one. But maybe you just happen to come in and maybe, just maybe, you're a Christmas Easter Christian. You just happen to show up. What a great morning for you to show up. We're talking about community. Isn't that wonderful? And you know, it's, it's interesting. This is what's always kind of been interesting for me as a pastor. We do three services on Easter Sunday morning. It packs out here. And then we go back to our two services the following week. It's like, what's that about? But that's, that's our culture. So 81% feel that you can be, you know, that you can be a really, really strong Christian and not, and not go to church. Now... I would agree with the fact that you don't have to be a member of a church family to become a Christian. Um, I agree. Uh, but I believe that if you do become a Christian, you're going to want to be a part of a church family. I think that there's something in your heart that if you are truly walking with Christ and you've come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, His passion is His church. People. I will build my church, the gates of hell won't prevail, 16th chapter of Matthew. He's in love with his bride. And so the more you walk with him, the more you will be in love with his bride, the church. The church as a whole, but also individually represented as local church families like like desert breeze so so you can certainly become a Christian and not be connected to a church family but once you become a Christian if you're healthy if you're growing if you're walking with Jesus you will want to connect have a vital connection with that which is real important to Christ if you're truly walking if you're truly walking with him now I have a number of friends that as i stated that don't don't believe that there's people that aren't here today and aren't in a church today because they think ah, i can just do whatever i want to do and i'm still a christian if you want a god who allows you to have a deep experience of his peace power and presence apart from being deeply involved in his family then you're going to have to make that god up because that's not the god of the bible because the god of the bible is about community The God of the Bible is about you connecting with Him and connecting with other Christians. Oh, yeah? Well, prove it to me, Pastor Ray. I'm glad you asked. Uh, Let me give you some verses here. Verse 22 of our text, and I could give you the previous verses, but look at verse 22. I mean, first of all, he talks about that we are fellow citizens and you'll notice with each and we'll get into this in a a few minutes each of these are more intense in the level of community and relating to god and then with one another so you got fellow citizens and then you got the household of god that's pretty that's like brothers and sisters and and then and then you go into this look at verse 22 in him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for god by the spirit It's, it's like a temple that these like stones being cemented together. And within these, this temple is the very presence, the very presence of God. And I'm convinced that uh, apart from fellowship, so without it, you'll never have a deep, you'll never have a deep experience of God's presence. Let me give you a couple more verses. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. You guys are familiar with this. You've heard it before. You've even probably quoted it. It goes like this, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. What is that about? There's a dynamic of God's presence that happens when we connect with other Christians that you're not going to get by yourself. That's what it means. It also says in that context where two or more are agreeing as touching any one thing. In other words, they pray. You get a couple people together and they're praying about one thing. God says he's going to move in their behalf. He's going to do something. That's why we do a lot of group prayer around here. You know, we're praying tonight. And so that's important to us. Why? Because there's a dynamic of God's presence, his power, his peace that you can experience in community that you're not going to experience by yourself. That's just the way God has, has set it up. And, uh, and that's, that's pretty important. Acts 2, 42 through 47, look at the pattern of the early church. So they preach the gospel. You have this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They preach the gospel. And there in the, in the second chapter of Acts, there's some 3,000 souls commit their life to Jesus. What's the first thing they do? Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. There's that word, koinonia, community, connectedness, and to the breaking of bread. They hung out together, went out to lunch together. You know, they took communion together. And the prayers, and notice this, check this out. So it's in this context of community. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The power of God was present as they joined together. They were consistently diligent in Bible study, fellowship, breaking of bread, communion, uh, eating together, and then the prayers. Pretty important stuff. I mean, I mean you go throughout scripture and, and, and see that. And I know immediately, you know, people will say, yeah, 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 but the church is all jacked up. I, I, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you're telling me. I'm part of it. I know that. And yeah, the church has hurt me. Of course it has. And it will. I mean that Because it's made up of people like you. And me. And we're messed up. And all that tells me is that we are in desperate need of a Savior. And the desperate need for us is not to make it about us. Because we make it about us... The church is jacked up. I've been hurt by the church. I'm out of here. Wait, 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 wait. It's not about you, it's about Him, it's about His glory, it's about a bunch of messed up people coming together and pointing each other to Him so that we can be healed and experience the the beauty and the glory of, of the cross and all that He's done for us. Don't become a part of the problem by hitting the eject button. I'm out of here. Be a part of the solution by saying, okay, what can I do? How can I continue to fix my eyes on Jesus and help others to do the same? The church is messed up, and you will be hurt. That's just the bottom line. But I'll I'll tell you this. The community with him, when you get a taste of community with him, and then you get a taste of that community with a few others that love him and are pointing to him, oh my goodness, there is nothing better. And you will spend the rest of your days doing what Jesus is involved in, what Jesus is, is really all about on this planet Earth, and that's building his church because the gates of hell won't prevail. It's still the best thing going. So, praise God. Yeah, that's, that's worth celebrating. So here, let me give you another illustration, just so that, uh, so that, just to make sure before you leave, I'm going to try to convince you, one way or the other, that this is really important. C.S. Lewis, one of my one of my favorite illustrations of this whole idea, and, and this is where we are. We're still talking about. Without it, you'll never have a deep experience of God's presence. In fact, the deeper uh, the deeper you are connected, the more you will experience His presence. I believe that. In his book Four Loves, Lewis. Uh, was part of a circle of friends: Jack, C.S. Lewis, uh, Ronald, J.R. Tolkien, and Charles, who was another uh, writer of that era. And very close, this close-knit community of friends sharing their lives with each other, all Christians. And uh, Jack or, or Charles suddenly died. Jack, C.S. Lewis, and Ronald were were upset. I mean, they, they were shocked by it, but but. Jack, C.S. Yes, Lewis, thought to himself, okay, we're going to miss Charles, but now I'll have more of Ronald to myself. I'll be able to connect with him deeper now that he's kind of out of the way. And, and But in reality, he got less of Ronald as a result of Charles being gone. And, and listen to what he says. It's pretty profound, actually. This is what C.S. Lewis writes in Four Loves. He says, "...in each of my friends there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I need other lights than my own to show all my friend's facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke." Far from having more of Ronald to myself, I now find that Charles is gone, I have less of Ronald. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the great multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition each has of God, for every soul seeing him in his or her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest that says an old author is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying holy 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 to one another then he finishes it or I'll finish what he wrote here the more we share the heavenly bread between us the more we shall have. So so what he's saying here is that first of all, there are things that 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 I know about you, but I can't draw them out of you. There's someone else that can draw them out of you. But when we all get together, there's we I can see you more clearly, you can begin to see me more clearly because there are other people that draw things out of me. But if that's true in the horizontal Then even more so, is that true vertically, that there are aspects of God's beauty and His glory that I will never get on my own. I will only get as I relate to you and as we relate together in knowing Him. It's pretty powerful stuff. And so that's the importance of community. Let's talk about the intensity of community. So at what level should we be connecting in this, this entity called church? Paul uses three very important images about the church uh, community, he uses fellow citizens. Did you notice that verse 19? He's talking of, of a nation. We are God's people. And I believe that each of these fit a, uh, meet a need within us psychologically. The, the first one is acceptance. We are desperate uh, for acceptance. And uh, we desperately need that acceptance. And it meets that need. One of the reasons why we are so disconnected uh, Horizontally is because we don't understand this vertically, this acceptance we have, and and we're not in a place that is reaffirming that for us. So that's the first one. The second level is members of God's household, verse nineteen. We're family. We are God's children. It creates a sense of security. It's another thing that we need. So we need acceptance. We need security. And then the third one is stones in God's temple, verses twenty one through twenty two. Temple. We are God's dwelling place, and we need that gives us significance together. When people come in among us, around us, they, they have a sense of God's presence unlike what they, they would experience elsewhere. Now, if you've ever struggled, why you're wondering, well, why do I react to things the way I react? Why do I overreact? Why do I get stressed out? What's going on in my life? Why is this all happening? It's because you're lacking a sense of balance psychologically of acceptance, security, and significance. And possibly you have misplaced it in something other than God and you're not in an environment that reinforces that within you. So when you see your emotional, uh, inordinate emotion begin to take off in your life and as you're responding to life or you find yourself chasing after things to try to medicate yourself, to, to anesthetize yourself because of that sense of loneliness inside, maybe you've never even gotten in touch with it, it's because you don't have this. You don't have that sense of acceptance, security and significance that we desperately need. And it comes to us from God, but also from one another, reinforcing that. Now, each of these images are more intense than the one before. You'll notice as it relates to our relationship with God, it starts off with king. So his kingdom really speaks really of obedience. Father, he's our daddy. And then dwelling place, he lives within us. By the way, the Bible does say that he lives within us as individuals, but even more so, he lives within us as a corporate family. As I was the point that I was trying to make. So that's that's true. I just wanted to re, uh, reaffirm that in you. But you'll also notice that uh, this this image, these images are more intense also as it relates to our relationship with one another. Notice that we are citizens and then we are family, brothers and sisters, and then we're stones. So He kind of mixes metaphors there for us and so we're stones that are, that are uh, cemented together, a dwelling place for... For God. So here's my question for you. Um, how does your life um, measure up to what we're saying here? Is your life as a Christian consistent with these metaphors, these images of community? And you kind of see it kind of progressively as you work through these images. If all you're doing is just kind of, uh, and like I said earlier, if you're just, you know, Christmas, Easter Christian, obviously not or if you're just showing up occasionally I feel like going to church today yeah we're not doing anything else let's go to church (laughs) that's not consistent with what it's saying here okay even if you are coming here regularly and all your and, and the measure of your connection is only what you do on a weekend service it's still not based on what the Bible teaches and if you think that you can continue to do that uh, and and continue to experience all of God's grace and power and pre- it's not going to happen. I mean, it's, you're not going to get to the degree. You're not going to be able to change if it's if you've ever wondered why why am I struggling over these things, I might be hitting something right here that you you are in desperate need of. Okay, this this is really important. So so how does your life square up with these images? If it's just an occasional thing, check the church box, going through the motion. You know, hear the guy lead us in music and listen to the bald guy preach, you know, and that's, okay, oh, well, that was a wonderful one today, and uh, you, you kind of rate how good it was, then you're missing it. You're, you're really missing what church is all about. There's a much deeper level of connection that should be happening. As a Christian, you are called into deep relationship community fellowship in a local church family. You, you may be asking, well, how deep? I'm glad you asked, okay? I'm going to tell you right here, okay? Here we go. Three levels. They're on your notes. The first one, level one, is acceptance. Belonging. Talking to people about God's grace. Remember he said fellow citizens. Let me spend a little bit of time on this. Um, when you realize, this is, this is what's amazing about the Christian life, when you realize that God doesn't love you more when you're good and love you less when you're bad, but that you have his love no matter what, you are accepted by the creator of the universe. When you have that level of acceptance, I mean, you're not running on a deficit anymore. You're, your life begins to get filled up and you naturally want to want to connect with others, uh, both inside the church, it's natural and normal and it's healthy to connect with others inside the church, but also outside the church to help outsiders become insiders. That's just normal. That's normal Christianity. When you understand his acceptance, the more you understand and live in the reality of God's acceptance of you, that's spiritual maturity, and you find your heart being drawn to people inside and outside the church. When you have the assurance of God's love no matter what, it also gets rid of pretense. See, and that's what keeps us away from each other. Oh, if they get to know me, they're not gonna like me. There's there's fears, but it gets rid of pretense because you know you're already accepted by the one, the only one that really matters. And so that gets rid of that game playing because you also know that there is no healing in hiding. And all of us need a whole lot of healing. And so this acceptance, and it also moves you from consumer mindset, which is predominant in our society today. Most people go to churches based on a consumer mindset. But it takes you out of consumer mindset into more of a contributor of your time, your talents, your treasure. You want to be part of a community like desert breeze so that you can create an atmosphere that's conducive to invite your family and friends so that they can hear the gospel that has so ravished your heart. And uh, I like what one uh, theologian said. He says, when you approach the church as a consumer, that is, only to get your needs met, you're in a solitary mode of being. It's kind of an isolated mode is really what he's saying. But when you reject the consumer mindset serving will draw you out of yourself and into relationships. So this acceptance kind of, you begin, you begin to look for ways that I can begin to serve. How can I get involved? Deep community can't be crammed into the cracks of an overloaded schedule. And so you begin to say, hey, this is more important. Attending church, being a part of a church family. Also, wise people know that you, uh, you can't, microwave friendships or parenting or, or marriage and there's something that's, that happens in you too is that this connection with Christ is so deep that you know that two Christians of different races, cultures, class, gender have a closer bond than two non-Christians of the same race, culture, uh, gender, class and so your, your life has is, is changed dramatically no more checking the church box there's acceptance, and you begin to reach out to people within this church family or the church family you believe that God has led you to. So you make a commitment to Christ, to a local church family, make it public through Water baptism. we saw a bunch of people get baptized a few weeks back, and then you begin to look to see how I can belong. There's this belonging. You become fellow citizens, and so you begin to serve together, and then the next level, I mean, that's a lot on that first level. Did you get... Are you there? <laughs> Some of us didn 't even make it to the first level okay here 's the second level because it gets more difficult because I really believe this is what he 's talking about. Second level is accountability it 's becoming talking to people about personal stuff hebrews three thirteen says that we need to be encouraged how often How often do we need to be encouraged if we 're going to stay on track and be healthy Christians? Do you guys know what it says there? daily every day you need to be encouraged by other christians why is that why do you need that encouragement because your heart will grow hard because of the deceitfulness of sin you are in desperate need of others to come alongside of you and to encourage you and love you and to support you that's what it's saying and so there needs to be this, this accountability. This is talking to people about our stuff. This is God's household. And, and, and I'm learning more than anything else. God uses people to heal people. God uses people to heal people. Now, many people don't want accountability of community for the same reason they don't get on a scale. They're afraid of what they might find out. When was the last time you got on a scale? I'm out on that. No more scale for me. But, uh, no, I think that we just don't want to hear those things. We don't want to get close because they'll see things in me that I don't want them to see. And, and, but here's the deal about accountability. Accountability is a gift we give to one another so that we can grow in ways we would never be able to alone. So let me ask you this. That's going to really get, it's already quiet in here because you guys are like, what the heck? I show up to church, isn't that enough? Uh, No, okay, quite frankly, no. There's actually more, there's a deeper level you're missing out on. And so this next level of accountability, so let me ask you this, who knows, who knows, other than your family, and sometimes even families don't know, who knows your deepest feelings, faults, and failures? And they know of them because you have told them to them, or they are so close to you that they see them, And you have given them a hunting license. You have given them a green light to to call you on it, to challenge you, to ask you, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? I was, uh, Nancy and I right now are... I'm in a number of small groups, and I love small groups. I'm practicing what I'm preaching here, so just so that you know this. But Nancy and I are leading a small group right now that's going through transition with leaders. And so we stepped in thought we would lead it for a while. And we're just blown away at the hospitality, first of all, of the host home and people that are part of this church family. The, the, uh, the, the host uh, people were in the first service and I'm just blown away at how hospitable they are but this is what I was blown away at this last week as we were leading in this group there were some really intimate things that were being shared at the end and if you could have heard the prayers oh my goodness this guy right here prayed a prayer that just blew me away there were other prayers in that group. It just sent me to heaven. I thought, wow, these people care for each other. And I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> other than just get up here and rant and rave and, hey, you need to get connected. It was, it was their love for God. And they just, they were sharing their lives with each other. I'm just trying to stay out of the way. I'm just kind of like a, like a traffic cop, you know, just, hey, just keep pointing to him. That's, all I, that's the best I can do. Oh, my goodness. That was amazing. It sent me through the, through the ceiling. I just had an experience with God as I heard these people sharing and praying with one another. As they poured their hearts out. Oh, my goodness. To think about it, it, it moves me. That's that accountability. You know, that we're there for one another. We love each other. So let me ask you, who knows about your, your struggles? Who knows about what you're going through? See, that's, we need that. I, I need that. I need to be able to say, hey, man, I am not doing well. I need your help. And to have people rally around me. They're in my corner, and they're cheering me on. They love me. And you need it. You desperately need that. And that's, that's church. That's what church is about. Really, I believe that a lot of the junk that we deal with I believe we could get rid of, you know, a lot of the counselors. I'm for counseling. I'm for it. I think that counseling is great. And a lot of the medications that are out there that we take, antidepressants, stuff like those, those are good things. Many of us have our, our systems are all jacked up. And so we desperately need help. But I'll tell you what, I think that we could get rid of a lot of that stuff if we just connected at a deeper level like that in, in Christian community. I really believe that. Most psychiatrists and psychologists would say the same. Than what we're lacking more than anything, it is not good for man to be alone. We need to connect at that deeper level, and so okay, that's that. That's that one. It it gets even deeper. That's pretty deep. So you got acceptance, you got accountability, and then you got this authority. You got where you're beginning to speak into people's lives that people hold you accountable. People will challenge you about your thoughts and about what's going on in your life. This is the beholding. So you got belonging, becoming, beholding. It's talking to people about God's glory. Can you see how important that that we get back to that? So the the acceptance, okay, we are part of God's kingdom. We're serving together. Accountability is that we're suffering together. Uh, We're becoming. He's transforming our lives. And then there's the authority. We're beholding. Talking about God's glory. This is letting people see our relationship with God. It's our our heart toward God. Now, if you thought it was quiet there, it's going to really get quiet here. When was the last time you told someone about what God is speaking to you or teaching you in your prayer life and Bible study? When was the last time you said, I was studying this last week? I came across this verse. Oh, my goodness. God spoke to me. It was exactly what I need. I would have never made it through the day if it wasn't for that verse. And you're like, what What was the verse? I want want some of that. And then they pass that off to you and you go, "Whoa, that is a good verse. And you're high-fiving each other. What is that? You're talking about the glory of God and how good he is. So when was the last time you shared something like that with someone else? See, we don't talk about it because we don't have much of a spiritual life and it's embarrassing and it's uncomfortable, I ought to be able to come to you and say, hey, how are you doing in your relationship with God? What has he been speaking to you? He speaks. He does, okay? He wants to interact with us. It's called community. It's called relationship. He wants you to hear his voice, and there's nothing like it. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so when you begin to connect with him at that level, you can't help but want to share that with others. I get together with a couple guys on uh, Thursday morning. And I, it's, just, it's, it's kind of a highlight of my week. And that's all we do right there. I mean, we just share about what God's speaking to us and what's going on in our life. So that's, that's that level. I mean, that's, that's an important level. And you can kind of see how that works out in our lives. And uh but let me share you uh, share a personal testimony of someone that's in our church and she was here in the first service and it's just it rocks man she nailed it she's a brand new christian i want you to hear her testimony you want i want you to hear the longing of her heart and how god has transformed her heart her name is Tori Smith and uh here's her testimony and then we'll come back and finish the rest of this up
1: Wasn't raised in a church. I um, went to church with a girlfriend when I was in grade school and my experience there definitely did not point me to Christ. I um, wasn't the greatest and so definitely um, didn't pursue anything there. went to ASU and um, my life kind of took a turn for the worse. I um, was depressed, um, at one point suicidal, and um, ended up just really searching for something that I, I just could never find. And I ended up evening out, I um, saw a therapist and kind of got things under control, And um, but still it was just um, always looking for something. Almost three years ago I met Josh and I knew that his family was Christian and I wondered, you know, what are they going to think about me, um, this unbeliever? And I was kind of always waiting for the ball to drop, for them to sit me down and um, ask me or tell me about what they believed and um, they never hid anything from me or did anything different. Um, they prayed around me and it was amazing for me to see that May 21st, 2011, crazy Armageddon that was supposed to happen actually led me to where I am today because Josh and I were going to have an end of the world party. and. We were going to laugh at 1201 when we were all still here. Um, But then Josh brought up that if it really was the rapture, that no one would be at our party. And I pointed out that I would be. It's crazy that that's what started the conversation, but it was amazing. I mean, God had already been working in my life to bring me to this amazing family um, that just loved me and showed me grace. So I started just learning everything I could. Abby... Um, my sister, I love her. She, um, really just helped me with any questions that I had, and I, she was my confidant throughout this entire process. In July, she, um, was in the hospital with her baby Judah, and, um, she had valley fever, and I was praying my butt off, and I was so worried that she was going to die, because then I would lose my, my key to figuring out who Christ was. And, um... I just was totally overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and he was like that um, is not so not what this is all about like Abby is not the only way you what's most important is your relationship with God and um, it was so cool to um, to have that come out of um, come out of Abby's suffering and just to see the peace that her she and her family were going through um, through her struggles it was just an amazing testimony of um, what God can do during trials. And my grandfather actually passed away the day after Judah was born. And um, two months ago, my grandmother um, was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And so lots um, of tough stuff for my family this summer, but I gave it all to God. And um, I'm, I'm by no means Perfect in any way. I'm still sad and I still worry, and but um, I'm nowhere near where I would have been before I got to know Christ. And um, in September, I accepted Christ as my Savior, and um, was baptized in October. And um, I'm just totally humbled and amazed that I'm here today. And if you are a family member or a friend of an unbeliever. Um, you can talk to them about it but what was most important for me was just to show um show love and um, unconditional love and um, that was something that i was just amazed by that um that was like that x-factor that i wanted to know how that worked and wanted to know more about it and um, if you're in my position and you want to learn more I just dove right in. I was, I was at that point where I just wanted to know as much as I could, and I just started reading the Bible, going to um, the Game of Life class, starting to go to Bible study. It was really important for me to get involved with a small group because um, the message that we hear on Sundays is uh, is amazing, and but. Getting plugged into a small group really helped um, just for me to grow with Christ because um, there's just fellowship that happens in a small group that you can't get from church. And, and it was one of those things that I didn't know that I needed it until I, I experienced it. And um, it's something that I hope I will always have a passion for. To my Desert Reese family, I'm just so grateful that the, um, just, Love and friendship and fellowship that you've shown me, I never felt um, like an outsider to the Radiance group for um, being a big part in, in my desire to learn more about Jesus. I look at Josh almost daily and ask him if I'm dreaming because, and that sounds so cheesy, but it's so true, But because I just can't believe if you had asked me three years ago that I'd be sitting here today telling you guys um, about my life, and how Jesus has just changed it, I would have laughed at you. And I'm so, so blessed um, to be here today. Good
0: stuff. Good stuff. Thanks to Tori for her testimony to us this morning. So let me give you a quick summary and then we're gonna move to the last point here, the last big idea what should inspire us So summary of the last of what the intensity level is that level one, citizens, belonging, serving together. Level two, families, becoming, suffer together. Level three, holy temple, beholding, showing the beauty and the glory of God together. Um, Here's the last inspiration. So what should inspire us? The big idea of the Bible is reconciliation with God and with one another in that order. And so in verse 20... Verse 20 of our text, it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What is he talking about there? What's the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? Apostles means the New Testament. The prophets means the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, New Testament, the big idea, when you pick up this book, when you read it, it's about reconciliation with God and then reconciliation with one another. That's the big idea. In fact, we know that because in in the Ten Commandments it's even laid out. The first of the four commandments deal with our vertical relationship with God connecting us with God the next six deal horizontally with one another what's the great commission Jesus was asked what's the most important thing I should set you know the direction of my life at and he said love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself that's the big idea the essence of life the essence of reality here's the next one Jesus came became homeless and lonely So that you could be brought into God's household, never to be lonely again. So when you look at the cross, verse 13 and 16, what brought about this reconciliation to God? The cross, the blood of Jesus. Those were two verses from last weekend's message. Acts 8.20, Jesus said, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew 27.46, Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we never would be. In Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, I will never leave you. I will never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you based on the cross because we put our faith in Jesus, his, his finished work. So here's the point. Get this. Everybody look up here. This is the community of love you have been longing for, looking for your whole life. Never, ever to end. It's found in and through Jesus Christ. Last point. When what Jesus did on the cross captivates your heart, then you will make him the cornerstone of your life, shaping every aspect of your life. One of the reasons why we uh, don't connect well with others sometimes and we push away from others is because he's not truly the cornerstone of our life. Verse 20, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. He was a cornerstone that was rejected. Talks about that. I gave you some cross references. You can study that on your own. The cornerstone was the most crucial block on the foundation. We don't connect well with other Christians, as I stated, because Christ isn't the cornerstone of our lives. Jesus is your cornerstone when you can't think, feel, or respond to anything apart from him guiding you, empowering you, loving you, being with you. The more you are shaped by that force, that he is the cornerstone of your life, the more you are fitted to everything that is shaped by that force. And so this is what eliminates the fear and the pride that keeps us from connecting. Pride, I don't need anybody else. No, you do. We are more sinful than we ever dared to think. We are desperate for Christ and one another. But it also eliminates the fear of connecting that I'm more loved than I ever dared to dream or think. And that gives me the confidence to be able to reach out to others to help to create an atmosphere of love for others. Let me conclude with a story. Maybe you're familiar with it it's a story by Tony Campolo took place while he was traveling to Hawaii a number of years ago he had jet lag and at three in the morning he says I wandered into a diner the only other customers were a group of prostitutes who had finished for the night one of whom Agnes mentioned that tomorrow was her birthday and that she had never in her life had a birthday party After they left, I found out from Harry, the guy behind the counter, that they came each night to this diner. I asked if I could come back the next night and throw a party. Harry said, okay. And at 2.30 the next morning, I was back. I had made a sign that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes! By 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me at 3.30 the door of the diner swung open in came Agnes and we all screamed happy birthday never have I seen a person so flabbergasted when we finished singing her eyes moistened when the cake was carried out she started to cry Harry gruffly mumbled -cut, cut the cake Agnes we all want some cake look Harry is it okay if I I keep the cake a little while sure take the cake home if you want she carried that cake out the door like it was the holy grail we stood there motionless a stunned silence in the place not knowing what else to do I broke the silence by saying what do you say we pray Looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But, when it just, but, it, but, but then it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes for her salvation, that her life would be changed, that God would be good to her. When I finished, Harry said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? I answered, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Isn't that crazy? Harry waited a moment and answered, No, you don't. There's no such church like that. If there was, I'd join it. The writer goes on and says, Wouldn't we all, wouldn't we all love to join church like that that's the kind of church jesus came to create i don't know where we got the other one that's so prim and proper but anyone who reads the new testament knows that jesus loved to lavish grace on the left out and the used up and the put down the sinners loved him because he partied with them stand with me for closing prayer So here's, here's my charge for you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we are the objects of the most incredible act of hospitality in history. The word hospitality means to welcome or to love the strange people, you know, the weirdos, and that God has invited us into his home. And we are objects of that, that amazing love, as it says here he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Let's be the church that God has called us to be as we proclaim the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ and how it has ravished our hearts. Let's do that to the world. May that be our prayer. May that be our call. May we go forth from here to continue to let people know about the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.